Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Curiosity Project. I have a special guest today, my daughter, Christina. Hello, Christina. Hey, Daddy-o. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) So like me, Christina loves to read. In fact, I'm pretty sure that her idea of a perfect day is going to Barnes & Noble, finding a book she wants to read, buying an enormous cup of coffee, settling down in one of their big overstuffed chairs, and reading for hours. Don't deny it. I've seen you do it. It's true. I had to stop, though. I was starting to feel bad about not buying anything and just reading the books. (laughs) It's like a bad habit. (laughs) So speaking of books, that's what this episode is about. It's about books and reading and the role they play in creating curiosity. So, Christina, why don't you kick things off for us by reading something? All right. Sounds good. In the high and far off times, the elephant, O best beloved, had no trunk. He had only a blackish, bulgy nose as big as a boot that he could wriggle about from side to side, but he couldn't pick things up with it. But there was one elephant, a new elephant, an elephant's child, who was full of satiable curiosity, and that means he asked ever so many questions. And he lived in Africa, and he filled all Africa with his satiable curiosities. He asked his tall aunt, the ostrich, why her tail feathers grew just so, and his tall aunt, the ostrich, spanked him with her hard, hard claw. He asked his tall uncle, the giraffe, what made his skin spotty, and his tall uncle, the giraffe, spanked him with his hard, hard hoof. And still he was full of satiable curiosity. He asked his broad aunt, the hippopotamus, why her eyes were red, And his broad aunt, the hippopotamus, spanked him with her broad, broad hoof. And he asked his hairy uncle, the baboon, why melons tasted just so. And his hairy uncle, the baboon, spanked him with his hairy, hairy paw. And still he was full of satiable curiosity. He asked questions about everything that he saw, or heard, or felt, or smelt, or touched, And all his uncles and his aunts spanked him. And still he was full of satiable curiosity. (laughs) Don't you love that? (laughs) (laughs) It's so cute. So that's a quote from my favorite children's book, The Elephant's Child by Rudyard Kipling. It's also known as How the Elephant Got His Trunk. It's from a collection he wrote called Just So Stories. And if you haven't read it, and if you haven't read it to your children or your grandchildren, it's high time that you did. It occurs to me that this podcast, in fact, is about satiable curiosity, (laughs) that terrible, wonderful disease that afflicts the elephant's child. Despite all the beatings he took, the elephant's child was filled with satiable curiosity. He just couldn't turn it off. One fine morning in the middle of the procession of the equinoxes, this satiable elephant's child asked a new fine question that he had never asked before. He asked, what does the crocodile have for dinner? Then everybody said, hush, in a loud and dreadful tone, and they spanked him immediately and directly without stopping for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I grew up in a house full of books. Both of my parents were big readers. I still am. I read well north of 100 books a year, all kinds of books, and I write them for a living. Yet that little book, The Elephant's Child, which takes about 15 minutes to read cover to cover, is and always will be my favorite story of all time. Why? Because it's a book about leadership. 
I know you don't believe that. It's a children's book, but you'll see what I mean in just a moment. And frankly, it inspired me in the most powerful and profound way that you can imagine. That very next morning, when there was nothing left of the equinoxes, because the procession had proceeded according to precedent, this satiable elephant's child took a hundred pounds of bananas, the little short red kind, and a hundred pounds of sugar cane, the long purple kind, and seventeen melons, the greeny crackly kind, and said to all his dear families, Goodbye, I am going to the great gray-green greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees, to find out what the crocodile has for dinner. And they all spanked him once more for luck, though he asked them most politely to stop. Then he went away, a little warm, but not at all astonished, eating melons and throwing the rind about, because he could not pick it up. He went from Grahamstown to Kimberley, and from Kimberley to Kama's country. And from Kama's country he went east by north, eating melons all the time, till at last he came to the banks of the great grey-green, greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees, precisely as Colocolo Bird had said. Now you must know and understand, O oh best beloved, that till that very week, and day, and hour, and minute, this satiable elephant's child had never seen a crocodile, and did not know what one was like. It was all his satiable curiosity. There on the banks of the great gray-green greasy Limpopo River, all set about with fever trees, sits the Colacola bird in the wait-a-bit thorn bush. You see, here's the thing. I do a lot of work in Africa, and I've stood on the banks of the Limpopo River. It's the border between South Africa and Botswana, what Kipling calls Kama's country. And it's green and slow-moving and beautiful, in spite of the fact that its name means thundering waterfall in Susutu Saliboa, the local language. I've stood in forests of fever trees, which are called that because they grow in swampy areas where malaria is always a threat. And I've torn more than one shirt on a wait-a-bit thorn bush, a type of acacia with long, sharp thorns. And even though the Colacola bird doesn't exist, Kipling invented it, I swear I've heard them deep in the African forest. I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that my interest in and my passion for Africa comes directly from the fact that my parents read that book to me when I was young. In other episodes of this series, you've heard my definition of leadership, the practice of creating a vision of what could be rather than what is, the vision of a new status quo that's better than the one you have today. For me, the elephant's child painted a picture of a beautiful, mysterious, enticing world, a place called Africa, that I would one day make part of my life. It wasn't an if question, it was a when question, and it came true. I will forever be changed by my visits to Africa. It's one of those places that, once it gets its claws into a person, it never lets go. But there's another lesson here that I don't want to overlook. All children's books are about leadership. Just think about it. Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, Oh, the Places You'll Go, and McElligot's Pool, Maurice Sendak's Where the Wild Things Are, The Little Engine That Could, even Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast. All of them tell the tale of what could be, of better times ahead, of the power of the human spirit. And that is why it is so crucial to read to children, to teach them about the world beyond the one they know, to show them how far they can go. There's always a lesson to be learned. It's a lesson in curiosity, curiosity about the possibilities that lie ahead. And the need for that, by the way, isn't limited to children. We adults can use a good dose of what could be every now and again, because sometimes that curiosity leads to great outcomes. 
One dark evening, he came back to all his dear families, and he coiled up his trunk and said, How do you do? They were very glad to see him, and immediately said, Come here and be spanked for your satiable courtesy. Pooh, said the elephant's child. I don't think you peoples know anything about spanking, but I do, and I'll show you. Then he uncurled his trunk and knocked two of his dear brothers head over heels. Oh, bananas, said they. Where did you learn that trick? And what have you done to your nose? I got a new one from the crocodile on the banks of the great gray-green greasy Limpopo River, said the elephant's child. I asked him what he had for dinner, and he gave me this to keep. It looks very ugly, said his hairy uncle, the baboon. It does, said the elephant's child, but it's very useful. And he picked up his hairy uncle, the baboon, by one hairy leg, and hove him into a hornet's nest. Then that bad elephant's child spanked all his dear families for a long time, till they were very warm and greatly astonished. He pulled out his tall ostrich aunt's tail feathers, and he caught his tall uncle the giraffe by the hind leg, and dragged him through a thorn bush, and he shouted at his broad aunt the hippopotamus, and blew bubbles into her ear when she was sleeping in the water after meals. But he never let anyone touch Colo Colo Bird. <laughs> For the Satiable Curiosity Project, and in deference to my hero, the Elephant's Child, I'm Steve Shepard, with my daughter, Christina. Thank you for reading for me, Tina, and thanks for being curiouser and curiouser. And folks, please, go read a book, and even better, go read a story to a child. It's a great investment, and it plants the seeds of curiosity. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>